0: Chapter 4 of Freckles. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Boutros. Freckles by Jean Stratton Porter. Chapter 4 Wherein Freckles faces trouble bravely and opens the way for new experiences on duncan's return from his next trip to town there was a big store-box loaded on the back of his wagon he drove to the west entrance of the swamp set the box on a stump that freckles had selected in a beautiful sheltered place and made it secure on its foundations with a tree at its back it seems most a pity to nail into that tree said duncan i hain't the time to examine into the grain of it but it looks as if it might be a rare un anyhow the nailin went hard to deep and having the case by it will make it safer if it is a good un isn't it an oak asked freckles ay said duncan it looks like it might be one of them fine-grained white ones that make such grand furniture When the body of the case was secure, Duncan made a door from the lid and fastened it with hinges. He drove a staple, screwed on a latch, and gave Freckles a small padlock, so that he might fasten in his treasures safely. He made a shelf at the top for his books, and last of all covered the case with oilcloth. It was the first time in Freckles' life that anyone ever had done that much for his pleasure, and it warmed his heart with pure joy if the interior of the box already had been covered with the rarest treasures of the limberlost he could have been no happier when the big teamster stood back to look at his work he laughingly quoted need but no gaudy as mclean says all we're needin now is a coat of paint to make a cupboard that would turn sarah green with envy you will find that safe and dry lad and that's all that's needed "'Mr. Duncan,' said Freckles, "'I don't know why you're being so mighty good to me, "'but if you have any jobs at the cabin that I could do for you or Mrs. Duncan hours off the line, "'it would make me mighty happy.' Duncan laughed. "'You needna feel you are obliged to me, lad. "'You maunna think I could take a half-day off in the best hauling season "'and go to town for boxes to rig up and spend of my little for fixtures.' "'I knew Mr. McLean sent you,' said Freckles, his eyes wide and bright with happiness. "'It's so good of him. How I wish I could do something that would please him as much.' "'Why, Freckles,' said Duncan, as he knelt and began collecting his tools, "'I cannot see that it will hurt you to be told that you are doing every day a thing that pleases the boss as much as anything you could do. "'You're being uncommon faithful, lad, and honest as old father time.' McLean is trusting ye as he would his own flesh and blood. "'Oh, Duncan,' cried the happy boy, "'are ye sure?' "'Why, I uh, know,' answered Duncan. "'I wouldn't have ventured to say so else. "'In those first days he cautioned me not to tell ye, "'but now he would care. "'Do ye ken, Freckles, "'that some of the single trees ye are guarding "'are worth a thousand dollars?' "'Freckles caught his breath and stood speechless. "'Ye see,' said Duncan, that's why they maun be watched so closely they take say for instance a barrel maple bird's eye they call it in the factory because it's full of wee knots and twists that look like the eye of a bird they saw it out in sheets no muckle thicker than writing paper then they make up the furniture out of cheaper wood and cover it with the maple veneer they call it when it's all done and polished you never saw anything grander Gang into a retail shop the next time you're in town and see some. By sawing it in that way, they get finished for thousands of dollars worth of furniture from a single tree. If you dinna watch faithful and blackjack gets out a few his marked, it means the loss of more money than ye ever dreamed of, lad. The other night down at camp, some son of Balaam was suggesting that ye might be selling the boss out to Jack and letting him take the trees secretly. And nobody whatever can till the gang gets here. A wave of scarlet flooded Freckle's face, and he blazed hotly at the insult. And the boss, continued Duncan, coolly ignoring Freckle's anger, he lays back just as cool as cowcumbers and says, I'll give a thousand dollars to any man who'll show me a fresh stump when we reach the limberlost, says he. Some of the men just snapped him up that they'd find some. So you see how the boss is trusting you, lad? I am gladder than I can ever express," said Freckles. "And now will I be walking double time to keep some of them from cutting a tree to get all that money?" Mother of Moses!" howled Duncan. "You can trust the Scotch to bundle things all together." McLean was only meanin' to show ye all confidence and honor. He's gone and set a high price for some dirty yelp to ruin ye. I was just trying to show ye how he felt toward ye and i've gone and give ye that worry to bear damn the scotch they're so slow and so dumb except in prison company sweetly inquired freckles no growled duncan Hidden the list hidden a business to set a price on ye lad for that's about the amount of it and i'd nae no right to tell ye we've both done ye ill and both meanin the vera best just what i'm always sayin to sarah "'I am mighty proud of what you have been telling me, Duncan,' said Freckles. "'I need the warning, sure, for with the books coming I might be tempted to neglect me work when double-watching is needed. Thank you more than I can say for putting me onto it. "'What you have told me may be the saving of me. I won't stop for dinner now. "'I'll be getting along the East Line, and when I come around about three, "'maybe Mother Duncan will let me have a glass of milk and a bite of something.' you see now cried duncan in disgust you'll start on that seven mile tramp with no bite to stay in your stomach what was it i told ye you told me that the scotch had the hardest heads and the softest hearts of any people that's livin answered freckles duncan grunted in gratified disapproval freckles picked up his club and started down the line whistling cheerily for he had an unusually long repertoire upon which to draw duncan went straight to the lower camp and calling mclean aside repeated the conversation verbatim ending and nay matter what happens now or ever dinna ye dare let anything make ye believe that freckles has na guarded faithful as any man could i don't think any one could shake my faith in the lad answered mclean freckles was whistling merrily he kept one eye religiously on the line the other he divided between the path his friends of the wire and a search of the sky for his latest arrivals. Every day since their coming, he had seen them either hanging as small black clouds above the swamp or bobbing up over logs and trees with their queer tilting walk. Whenever he could spare time, he entered the swamp and tried to make friends with them, for they were the tamest of all his unnumbered subjects. They ducked, dodged, and ambled around him over logs and bushes, and not even a near approach would drive them to flight. For two weeks he had found them circling over the limberlost regularly, but one morning the female was missing and only the big black chicken hung sentinel above the swamp. His mate did not reappear in the following days, and Freckles grew very anxious. He spoke of it to Mrs. Duncan, and she quieted his fears by raising a delightful hope in their stead. "Why, Freckles, if it's the hen bird yer missin', it's ten to one she's safe," she said. "She's laid and is settin', ye silly." Watch him and mark where he lights, then follow and find the nest. Some Sabbath will all gang to see it. Accepting this theory, Freckles began searching for the nest. Because these chickens were large as the hawks, he looked among the treetops until he almost sprained the back of his neck. He had half the crow and hawk nests in the swamp located. He searched for this nest instead of collecting subjects for his case. He found the pair the middle of one forenoon on the elm where he had watched their love-making. The big black chicken was feeding his mate, so it was proved that they were a pair. They were both alive, and undoubtedly she was brooding. After that Freckles' nest-hunting continued with renewed zeal, but as he had no idea where to look, and Duncan could offer no helpful suggestion, the nest was no nearer to being found. Coming from a long day on the trail, Freckles saw Duncan's children awaiting him much closer the swale than they usually ventured, and from their wild gestures he knew that something had happened. He began to run, but the cry that reached him was, THE BOOKS HAVE COME! How they hurried! Freckles lifted the youngest to his shoulder, the second took his club and dinner pail, and when they reached Mrs. Duncan they found her at work on a big box she had loosened the lid and then she laughingly sat on it you cannot have a peep in here until you have washed and eaten supper she said it's all ready on the table and once you begin on this you'll no be willing to take your nose out till bedtime and i willna get my work done the night we've eaten long ago It was difficult work, but Freckles smiled bravely. He made himself neat, swallowed a few bites, then came so eagerly that Mrs. Duncan yielded, although she said she very well knew all the time that his supper would be spoiled. Lifting the lid, they removed the packing and found in that box books on birds, trees, flowers, moths, and butterflies. There was also one containing Freckles' bullfrog, true to life. Besides these were a butterfly net, a naturalist's tin specimen box, a bottle of cyanide, a box of cotton, a paper of long steel specimen pins, and a letter telling what all these things were and how to use them. At the discovery of each new treasure, Freckles shouted, "'Will you be looking at this now?' Mrs. Duncan cried, "'Well, I'll be drawed on.' The eldest boy turned a somersault for every extra, while the baby, trying to follow his example, bunched over in a sidewise sprawl, and cut his foot on the axe with which his mother had prized up the box-lid. That sobered them. They carried the books indoors. Mrs. Duncan had a top shelf in her closet cleared for them, far above the reach of meddling little fingers." when freckles started for the trail next morning the shining new specimen box flashed on his back the black chicken a mere speck in the blue caught the gleam of it the folded net hung beside the boy's hatchet and the bird book was in the box he walked the line and tested each section scrupulously watching every foot of the trail for he was determined not to slight his work but if ever a boy made haste slowly, in a hurry, it was Freckles that morning. When at last he reached the space he had cleared and planted around his case, his heart swelled with the pride of possessing even so much that he could call his own, while his quick eyes feasted on the beauty of it. He had made a large room, with the door of the case set even with one side of it, on three sides fine big bushes of wild rose climbed to the lower branches of the trees part of his walls were mallow part alder thorn willow and dogwood below there filled in a solid mass of pale pink sheep laurel and yellow st john's wort while the amber threads of the daughter interlaced everywhere at one side the swamp came close here cattails grew in profusion In front of them he had planted a row of water hyacinths without disturbing in the least the state of their azure bloom, and where the ground arose higher for his floor, a row of foxfire that soon would be open. To the left he had discovered a queer natural arrangement of the trees that grew to giant size and were set in a gradually narrowing space so that a long open vista stretched away until lost in the dim recesses of the swamp a little trimming of underbush rolling of dead logs levelling of floor and carpeting with moss made it easy to understand why freckles had named this the cathedral yet he never had been taught that the groves were god's first temples on either side of the trees that constituted the first arch of this dim vista of the swamp he planted ferns that grew waist-high thus early in the season and so skillfully the work had been done that not a frond drooped because of the change. Opposite, he cleared a space and made a flower bed. He filled one end with every delicate lacy vine and fern he could transplant successfully. The body of the bed was a riot of color. Here he set growing dainty blue-eyed marys and blue-eyed grass side by side. He planted harebells, violets, blue, white, and yellow wild geranium cardinal flower columbine pink snake's mouth buttercups painted trilliums and orchis here were blood-root moccasin flower hepatica pitcher plant jack-in-the-pulpit and every other flower of the limberlost that was in bloom or bore a bud presaging a flower every day saw the addition of new specimens the place would have driven a botanist wild with envy On the line-side he left the bushes thick for concealment, entering by a narrow path he and Duncan had cleared in setting up the case. He called this the front door, though he used every precaution to hide it. He built rustic seats between several of the trees, leveled the floor, and thickly carpeted it with rank heavy woolly dog-moss. Around the case he planted wild clematis, bitter-sweet and wild grape-vines and trained them over it until it was almost covered every day he planted new flowers cut back rough bushes and coaxed out graceful ones his pride in his room was very great but he had no idea how surprisingly beautiful it would appear to anyone who had not witnessed its growth and construction this morning freckles walked straight to his case Unlocked it, and set his apparatus and dinner inside. He planted a new specimen he had found close to the trail, and bringing his old scrap bucket from the corner in which it was hidden, from a nearby pool he dipped water to pour over his carpet and flowers. Then he took out the bird book, settled comfortably on a bench, and with a deep sigh of satisfaction turned to the section headed V past veery Viri and Virio, he went down the line until his finger trembling with eagerness stopped at vulture great black california vulture he read huh this side the rockies will do for us common turkey buzzard well we ain't huntin common turkeys mclean said chickens and what he says goes black vulture of the south here we are arrived at once freckles finger followed the line and he read scraps aloud common in the south sometimes called jim crow nearest equivalent to cathartes atrata how the devil am i ever to learn them corking big words by myself the feral chickens of european species sometimes stray north as far as Virginia and Kentucky and sometimes farther, interpolated freckles cause I got them right here in Indiana so like these pictures I can just see me big chicken bobbin up to get his ears boxed, eh? light blue eggs, golly I got to be seeing them big as a common turkeys but shaped like a hens heavily splotched with chocolate, caramels I suppose and in hollow logs or stumps oh Hagany, wasn't i barkin up the wrong tree though ought to been looking close the ground all this time now it's all to do over and i suspect the sooner i start the sooner i'll be likely to find them freckles put away his book dampened the smudge fire without which the mosquitoes made the swamp almost unbearable took his cudgel and lunch and went to the line He sat on a log, ate at dinner-time, and drank his last drop of water. The heat of June was growing intense. Even on the west of the swamp, where one had full benefit of the breeze from the upland, it was beginning to be unpleasant in the middle of the day. He brushed the crumbs from his knees and sat resting a while and watching the sky to see if his big chicken were hanging up there but he came to the earth abruptly for there were steps coming down the trail that were neither mclean's nor duncan's and there never had been others freckles heart leaped hotly he ran a quick hand over his belt to feel if his revolver and hatchet were there caught up his cudgel and laid it across his knees then sat quietly waiting was it black jack or someone even worse Forced to do something to brace his nerves, he puckered his stiffening lips and began whistling a tune he had led in his clear tenor every year of his life at the home Christmas exercises. Who comes this way so blithe and gay upon a merry Christmas day? His quick Irish wit roused to the ridiculousness of it until he broke into a laugh that steadied him amazingly. Through the bushes he caught a glimpse of the oncoming figure. His heart flooded with joy, for it was a man from the gang. Wessner had been his bunkmate the night he came down the corduroy. He knew him as well as any of McLean's men. This was no timber thief. No doubt the boss had sent him with a message. Freckles sprang up and called cheerily, a warm welcome on his face. "'Well, it's good tellin' if you're glad to see me,' said Wessner, with something very like a breath of relief. "'We've been hearin' down at the camp. You were so mighty touchy you didn't allow a man within a rod of the line.' "'No more do I,' answered Freckles, "'if he's a stranger. But you're from McLean, ain't you?' "'Oh, damn McLean,' said Wessner. Freckles gripped the cudgel until his knuckles slowly turned purple. "'And are you really sayin' so?' he inquired with elaborate politeness." "'Yes, I am,' said Wessner. "'So would every man of the gang "'if there weren't two big cowards to say anything, "'unless maybe that other slobberin' old Dutchman Duncan. "'Grindin' the lives out of us, "'workin' us like dogs and payin' us starvation wages "'while he rolls up his millions and lives like a prince.' Green lights began to play through the gray of Freckle's eyes. "'Wessner,' he said impressively, "'you'd make a fine pattern for the father of liars.' every man on that gang is strong and healthy paid all he earns and treated with the courtesy of a gentleman as for the boss living like a prince he shares fare with you every day of your lives wessner was not a born diplomat but he saw he was on the wrong tack so he tried another how would you like to make a good big pile of money without even lifting your hand he asked huh said Freckles. Have you been up to Chicago and cornered wheat, and are you offering me a friendly tip on the investment of me fortune? Whistner came close. Freckles, old fellow, he said, if you'll let me give you a pointer, I can put you on to making a cool five hundred without stepping out of your tracks. Freckles drew back. You needn't be afraid of speaking up, he said. There isn't a soul in the limberlost save the birds and the beasts. Unless some of your sorts come along and crowdin the privileges of the legal tenants, none of my friends along," said Wessner. "Nobody knew I came but Black. I—I I mean a friend of mine. If you want to hear sense and act with reason, he can see you later. But it ain't necessary. We can make all the plans needed. The tricks so dead small and easy. Must be if you have the engineering of it," said Freckles. But he heard with a sigh of relief that they were alone. Wessner was impervious. You just bit it is. Why, I only think, Freckles, slavin' away at a measly little thirty dollars a month, and here's a chance to clear five hundred in a day. You surely won't be the fool to miss it. And how was you proposing for me to steal it? inquired Freckles, or am I just to find it layin' in my path beside the line? That's it, Freckles, blustered the Dutchman. You're just to find it you needn't do a thing you needn't know a thing you name a mornin when you'll walk up the west side of the swamp and then turn round and walk back down the same side again and the money is yours couldn't anything be easier than that could it depends entirely on the men said freckles the lilt of a lark hanging above the swell beside them was not sweeter than the sweetness of his voice to some it would seem to come as easy as breathin'. And to some, wringing the last drop of their heart's blood couldn't force them. I'm not the man that goes into a scheme like that with the blindfold over me eyes, for you see, it mains to break trust with the boss, and I've served him faithful as I knew. You'll have to be making the thing very clear to me understanding. It's so dead easy, repeated Wessner, it makes me tired of the simpleness of it. You see, there's a few trees in the swamp that's real gold mines. There's three a special. Two are back in, but one square on the line. Why, your patron old scotch fool of a boss nailed the wire to it with his own hands. He never noticed where the bark had been peeled or saw what it was. If you'll stay on this side of the trail just one day, we can have it cut, loaded, and ready to drive out at night.' "'Next morning you can find it. Report and be the busiest man in the search for us. "'We know where to fix it all safe and easy. "'Then McLean has a bet up with a couple of the gang that there can't be a raw stump found in the limberlost. "'There's plenty of witnesses to swear to it, and I know three that will. "'There's a cool thousand, and this tree is worth all of that raw. "'Say, it's a gold mine, I tell you, and just five hundred of it's yours.' "'There's no danger on earth to you, "'for you've got McLean that bamboozled "'you could sell out the whole swamp, "'and he'd never mistrust you. "'What do you say?' "'Freckles' soul was satisfied. "'Is that all?' he asked. "'No, it ain't,' said Wessner. "'If you really want to brace up and be a man "'and go into the thing for keeps, "'you can make five times that in a week. "'My friend knows a dozen others "'we could get out in a few days, "'and all you'd have to do would be to keep out of sight.' then you could take your money and skip some night and begin life like a gentleman somewhere else what do you think about it freckles purred like a kitten twould be a rare joke on the boss he said to be stolen from him the very thing he's trusted me to guard and be gettin me wages all winter throwed in free and you're makin the pay awful high me to be gittin five hundred for such a simple little thing as that you're treating me most royal indeed it's a way beyond all i'd be expectin seventeen cents would be a big price for that job it must be looked into thorough just you wait here until i do a minute's turn in the swamp and then i'll be escorting you out of the clearing and giving you the answer freckles lifted the overhanging bushes and hurried to the case he unslung the specimen box and laid it inside with his hatchet and revolver he slipped the key in his pocket and went back to Now for the answer, he said, stand up. There was iron in his voice, and he was commanding as an outraged general. Anything you want to be taken off? he questioned. Wessner looked the astonishment he felt. Why, no, Freckles, he said. Have the goodness to be calling me Mr. McLean, snapped Freckles. I'm after reserving my pet name for the use of my friends. You may stand with your back to the light or be taken any advantage you want, why, what, what do you mean? Spluttered Wessner. I'm mainin', said Freckles tersely, to lick a quarter section o hell out of ye, and may the holy Virgin stay me before I leave ye here carryin'. For your carcass would turn the stomachs of me chickens. At the camp that morning, Wessner's conduct had been so palpable an excuse to force a discharge, that Duncan moved near McLean and whispered, "Think o' the boy, sir." McLean was so troubled that, an hour later, he mounted Nellie and followed Wessner to his home in Wildcat Hollow, only to find that he had left there shortly before, heading for the limberlost. McLean rode at top speed. When Mrs. Duncan told him that a man answering Wessner's description had gone down the west side of the swamp close noon, he left the mare in her charge and followed on foot. When he heard voices, he entered the swamp and silently crept close, just in time to hear Wessner whine, "'But I can't fight you freckles. I ain't done nothing to you. I'm a way bigger than you, and you only one hand.' The boss slid off his coat and crouched among the bushes, ready to spring, but as freckles' voice reached him, he held himself with a strong effort to learn what metal was in the boy." Don't you be wastin' of me good time in the numberin' of me hands, cried Freckles. The strength of me cause will make up for the weakness of me members, and the size of a cowardly thief doesn't count. You'll think all the wildcats of the limberlost are turned loose on you when I come against you, and as for me cause I slept with you, Wessner, the night I came down the corduroy like a dirty friendless tramp, and the boss was for taking me up, washing clothing and feedin me and givin me a home full o love and tenderness and a master to look to and good well-earned money in the bank he's trusting me his heartful and here comes you you spotted toad o the big road and insults me as is an honest irish gentleman by hinting that you can save i'd be willing to shut me eyes and hold fast while you rob him of the thing i was certain paid to guard and then act the sneak and liar to him and ruin and eternally blacken the soul o me "'You damned rascal!' raved Freckles. "'Be fightin' before I forget the laws of a gentleman's name "'and split your dirty head with me stick.' wisner backed away mumbling. "'But I don't want to hurt you, Freckles.' "'Oh, don't you?' raged the boy, now fairly frothing. "'Well, ye ain't resemblin' me none, "'for I'm itchin' like death to get me fingers in the face of ye.' He danced up, and as Wessner lunged in self-defence, ducked under his arm as a bantam and punched him in the pit of the stomach so that he doubled with a groan. Before Wessner could straighten himself, Freckles was on him, fighting like the wildest fury that ever left the beautiful island. The Dutchman dealt thundering blows that sometimes landed and sent Freckles reeling, and sometimes missed, while he went plunging into the swale with the impetus of them. Freckles could not strike with half Wesner's force, but he could land three blows to the Dutchman's one. It was here that the boy's days of alert, watching on the line, the perpetual swinging of the heavy cudgel, and the endurance of all weather stood him in good stead, for he was tough and agile. He skipped, ducked, and dodged. For the first five minutes he endured fearful punishment. Then Wesner's breath commenced to whistle between his teeth, when freckles only had begun fighting he sprang back with shrill laughter Big golly and will your honor be whistlin the hornpipe for me to be dancin of he cried spang went his fist into wessner's face and he was past him into the swale and would you be pleased to tune up a little livelier he gasped and clipped his ear as he sprang back wessner lunged at him in blind fury Freckles, seeing an opening, forgot the laws of a gentleman's game and drove the toe of his heavy-weighting boot in Wessner's middle until he doubled and fell heavily. In a flash Freckles was on him. For a time McLean could not see what was happening. Go, go to him now, he commanded himself, but so intense was his desire to see the boy win alone that he did not stir. At last Freckles sprang up and backed away time he yelled as a fury be gettin up mr Wesner, and don't be afraid of hurting me i'll let you throw in an extra hand and lick you to me complete satisfaction all the same did you hear me call the limit will you get up and be facin' me as Wesner struggled to his feet he resembled a battlefield for his clothing was in ribbons and his face and hands streaming blood i-i guess i got enough he mumbled Oh, you do, roared Freckles. Well, this ain't your say. You'll come on to me ground, lying about me boss, and intimatin' I'd stale from his very pockets. Now, will you be standing up and taking your medicine like a man, or gettin' it poured down the throat of you like a baby? I ain't got enough. This is only just the beginning with me. Be looking out there." He sprang against Wessner and sent him rolling. He attacked the unresisting figure and fought him until he lay limp and quiet, and Freckles had no strength left to lift an arm. Then he arose and stepped back, gasping for breath. With his first lungful of air he shouted, Time! But the figure of Wessner lay motionless. Freckles watched him with regardful eye and saw at last that he was completely exhausted. He bent over him, and catching him by the back of the neck, jerked him to his knees. Wesner lifted the face of a whipped cur, and fearing further punishment, burst into shivering sobs, while the tears washed tiny rivulets through the blood and muck. Freckles stepped back, glaring at Wessner, but suddenly the scowl of anger and the ugly disfiguring red faded from the boy's face. He dabbed at a cut on his temple, from which issued a tiny crimson stream, and jauntily shook back his hair. His face took on the innocent look of a cherub, and his voice rivalled that of a brooding dove, but into his eyes crept a look of diabolical mischief. He glanced vaguely around him until he saw his club, seized and twirled it as a drum major, stuck it upright in the muck, and marched on tiptoe to Wesner, mechanically, as a puppet worked by a string. Bending over, Freckles reached an arm around Wesner's waist and helped him to his feet. "'Careful now,' he cautioned. "'Be careful, Freddy, there's danger of you hurting me.' drawing a handkerchief from a back pocket, freckles tenderly wiped Wesner's eyes and nose. "'Come, Freddy, me child,' he admonished Wesner, "'it's time little boys were going home. "'I've me work to do, and can't be entertaining you any more to-day. "'Come back to-morrow, if you ain't through yet, "'and we'll repeat the performance. "'Don't be staring at me so wild-like. "'I would eat you, but I can't afford it. "'Me earnings, being honest, come slow.' and i've no money to be squandering on the pailful of dyspeptic's delight it would be to take in to work ye out of my innards again an awful wrenching seized mclean freckles stepped back as wessner tottering and reeling as a thoroughly drunken man came toward the path appearing indeed as if wildcats had attacked him the cudgel spun high in air and catching it with an expertness acquired by long practice on the line the boy twirled it a second shook back his thick hair bonnily and stepping into the trail followed wessner because freckles was irish it was impossible to do it silently so presently his clear tenor rang out though there were bad catches where he was hard pressed for breath it was the dutch it was the dutch d'ye think it was the irish hollered help not much it was the dutch it was the dutch Wesner turned and mumbled, "'What are you following me for? "'What are you going to do with me?' Freckles called the Limberlost to witness, "'How's that for the ingratitude of a beast "'and me troubling myself to show him off me territory "'with the honors of war?' Then he changed his tone completely and added, "'Be like it's this, Freddy. You see, the boss might come ridin' down this trail any minute, and the little mare's so wheedlesome that if she'd come on to you in your prison state, all of a sudden she'd stop that short she'd send Mr. McLean out over the ears of her.' "'No disparagement intended to the sense of the mare,' he added hastily." Westner belched a fearful oath while Freckles laughed merrily. "'That's a sample of the thanks a generous act's always forgotten,' he continued. "'Here's me neglecting me work to escort you out proper, and you saying such awful words, Freddy,' he demanded sternly, "'do you want me to soap out your mouth? You don't seem to be realizing it, but if you was to buck into Mr. McLean in your present state without me there to explain matters, the chance is he'd cut the liver out of you, and I shouldn't think you'd be wanting such a fine gentleman as him to see that it's white.' Wessner grew ghastly under his grime, and broke into a staggering run now will you be looking at the manners of him questioned freckles plaintively go on without even a thank you right in the face of all the pains i've taken to make it interesting for him freckles twirled the club and stood as a soldier at attention until wessner left the clearing But it was the last scene of that performance. When the boy turned, there was deathly illness on his face, while his legs wavered beneath his weight. He staggered to the case, and opening it he took out a piece of cloth. He dipped it into the water, and sitting on a bench he wiped the blood and grime from his face, while his breath sucked between his clenched teeth. He was shivering with pain and excitement in spite of himself. He unbuttoned the band of his right sleeve, and turning it back, exposed the blue-lined calloused whiteness of his maimed arm, now vividly streaked with contusions, while in a series of circular dots the blood oozed slowly. Here Wessner had succeeded in setting his teeth. When Freckles saw what it was, he forgave himself the kick in the pit of Wessner's stomach, and cursed fervently and deep, "'Freckles! Freckles!' Sir MacLean's voice. Freckles snatched down his sleeve and arose to his feet. "'Excuse me, sir,' he said. you will surely be believin' I thought myself alone. "'MacLean pushed him carefully to the seat, and bending over him opened a pocket-case "'that he carried as regularly as his revolver and watch, "'for cuts and bruises were of daily occurrence among the gang. "'Taking the hurt arm, he turned back the sleeve and bathed and bound the wounds.' he examined freckles head and body and convinced himself that there was no permanent injury although the cruelty of the punishment the boy had borne set the boss shuddering then he closed the case shoved it into his pocket and sat beside freckles all the indescribable beauty of the place was strong around him but he saw only the bruised face of the suffering boy who had hedged for the information he wanted as a diplomat argued as a judge "'Fought as a sheik, and triumphed as a devil. "'When the pain lessened and breath relieved Freckles' pounding heart, "'he watched the boss covertly. "'How had McLean gotten there, and how long had he been there? "'Freckles did not dare ask. "'At last he arose and, going to the case, "'took out his revolver and the wire-mending apparatus and locked the door. "'Then he turned to McLean. "'Have you any orders, sir?' he asked yes said mclean i have and you are to follow them to the letter turn over that apparatus to me and go straight home soak yourself in the hottest bath your skin will bear and go to bed at once now hurry mr mclean said freckles it's sorry i am to be telling you but the afternoon's walking of the line ain't done You see, I was just forgetting to me feet to start, and I was on time when up came a gentleman, and we got into a little heated argument. It's either settled or it's just begun, but between us, I'm that late. I haven't started for the afternoon yet. I must be going at once, for there's a tree I must find before the day's over. You plucky little idiot, growled McLean. You can't walk the line. I doubt if you can reach Duncan's. Don't you know when you're done up? you go to bed i'll finish your work never protested freckles i was just a little done up for the present a minute ago i'm all right now riding boots are far too low the day's hot and the walk a good seven miles sir never as he reached for the outfit he pitched forward and his eyes closed mclean stretched him on the moss and applied restoratives when freckles returned to consciousness mclean ran to the cabin to tell mrs duncan to have a hot bath ready and to bring nelly that worthy woman promptly filled the wash boiler starting a roaring fire under it she pushed the horse trough from its base and rolled it to the kitchen by the time McLean came again, leading Nellie and holding Freckles on her back, Mrs. Duncan was ready for business. She and the boss laid Freckles in the trough and poured on hot water until he squirmed. They soaked and massaged him. Then they drew off the hot water and closed his pores with cold. Lastly, they stretched him on the floor and chafed, rubbed, and kneaded him until he cried out for mercy. As they rolled him into bed, his eyes dropped shut. But a little later they flared open. Mr. McLean, he cried, the tree. Oh, do be looking after the tree. McLean bent over him. Which tree, Freckles? I don't know exact, sir, but it's on the east line, and the wire is fastened to it. He bragged that you nailed it yourself, sir. You'll know it by the bark having been laid open to the grain somewhere low down. Five hundred dollars he offered me to be selling you out, sir. Freckles' head rolled over, and his eyes dropped shut. McLean towered above the lad, his bright hair waved on the pillow, his face was swollen and purple with bruises, his left arm, with the hand battered almost out of shape, stretched beside him, and the right, with no hand at all, lay across a chest that was a mass of purple welts. McLean's mind travelled to the night almost a year before, when he had engaged Freckles a stranger. The boss bent, covering the hurt arm with one hand and laying the other with a caress on the boy's forehead. Freckles stirred at his touch and whispered as softly as the swallows under the eaves, "'If you're coming this way to-morrow, be pleased to step over, and we'll repeat the chorus softly.'" "'Bless the gritty devil,' muttered McLean then he went out and told mrs duncan to keep close watch on freckles also to send duncan to him at the swamp the minute he came home following the trail to the line and back to the scent of the fight the boss entered freckles study quietly as if his spirit keeping there might be roused and gazed around with astonished eyes how had the boy conceived it what a picture he had wrought in living colours He had the heart of a painter. He had the soul of a poet. The boss stepped carefully over the velvet carpet to touch the walls of crisp verdure with gentle fingers. He stood long beside the flower-bed, and gazed at the bank wall of bright bloom as if he doubted its reality. Where had Freckles ever found, and how had he transplanted such ferns? As McLean turned from them he stopped suddenly he had reached the door of the cathedral that which freckles had attempted would have been patent to any one what had been in the heart of the shy silent boy when he had found that long dim stretch of forest decorated its entrance cleared and smoothed its aisle and carpeted its altar what veriest work of god was in these mighty living pillars and the arched dome of green How similar to stained cathedral windows were the long openings between the trees, filled with rifts of blue, rays of gold, and the shifting emerald of leaves! Where could be found mosaics to match this aisle, paved with living color and glowing light? Was Freckles a devout Christian, and did he worship here? Or was he an untaught heathen, and down this vista of entrancing loveliness did pan, come piping, and dryads, nymphs, and fairies dance for him? Who can fathom the heart of a boy? McLean had been thinking of Freckles as a creature of unswerving honesty, courage, and faithfulness. Here was evidence of a heart aching for beauty, art, companionship, worship, it was writ large all over the floor walls and furnishing of that little limberlost clearing when duncan came mclean told him the story of the fight and they laughed until they cried then they started around the line in search of the tree said duncan now the boy is in for sore trouble i hope not answered mclean you never in all your life saw a cur whipped so completely he won't come back for the repetition of the chorus we surely can find the tree. If we can't, Freckles can. I will bring enough of the gang to take it out at once. That will ensure peace for a time, at least, and I'm hoping that in a month or more the whole gang may be moved here. It soon will be fall, and then, if he'll go, I intend to send Freckles to my mother to be educated. With his quickness of mind and body, and a few years' good help, he can do anything. Why, Duncan, I'd give a hundred-dollar bill if you could have been here and seen for yourself yes and i'd a done the murder muttered the big teamster i hope sir you'll make good your plans for freckles though i'd as soon a see any born child of my own taken from our home we love the lad me and sarah locating the tree was easy because it was so well identified when the rumble of the big lumber wagons passing the cabin on the way to the swamp wakened freckles next morning he sprang up and was soon following them he was so sore and stiff that every movement was torture at first, but he grew easier and shortly did not suffer so much. Maclean scolded him for coming, yet in his heart triumphed over every new evidence of fineness in the boy. The tree was a giant maple, and so precious that they almost dug it out by the roots. When it was down, cut in lengths and loaded, there was yet an empty wagon. As they were gathering up their tools to go, Duncan said, "'There is a big hollow tree somewhere mighty close here that I've been wanting for a watering trough for my stock. The one I have is so small. The Portland Company cut this for elm butts last year, and it's six feet diameter and hollow for forty feet. It was a buster. While the manor here and there is an empty wagon, why mightn't I load it on and take it up to the barn as we pass?' McLean said he was very willing ordered the driver to break line and load the log detailing men to assist he told freckles to ride on a section of the maple with him but now the boy asked to enter the swamp with duncan i don't see why you want to go said McLean. i have no business to let you out to-day at all it's me chickens whispered freckles in distress you see i was just after finding yesterday from me new book how they do be nesting in hollow trees and there ain't too many in the swamp there's just a chance that they might be in that one go ahead said mclean that's a different story if they happen to be there why tell duncan he must give up the tree until they have finished with it then he climbed on a wagon and was driven away freckles hurried into the swamp He was a little behind, yet he could see the men. Before he overtook them they had turned from the west road, and had entered the swamp toward the east. They stopped at the trunk of a monstrous prostrate log. It had been cut three feet from the ground, over three-fourths of the way through, and had fallen, towards the east, the body of the log still resting on the stump the underbrush was almost impenetrable but duncan plunged in and with a crowbar began tapping along the trunk to decide how far it was hollow so that they would know where to cut as they waited his decision there came from the mouth of it on wings a large black bird that swept over their heads freckles danced wildly it's me chickens oh it's me chickens he shouted oh duncan come quick you've found the nest of me precious chickens duncan hurried to the mouth of the log but freckles was before him he crashed through poison vines and underbrush regardless of any danger and climbed on the stump when duncan came he was shouting like a wild man it's hatched he yelled oh me big chicken has hatched out me little chicken and there's another egg i can see it plain and oh the funny little white baby oh duncan can you see me little white chicken duncan could easily see it so could everyone else freckles crept into the log and tenderly carrying the hissing blinking little bird to the light in a leaf-lined hat the men found it sufficiently wonderful to satisfy even Freckles, who had forgotten he was ever sore or stiff, and coddled over it with every blarneying term of endearment he knew. Duncan gathered his tools. "'Deal's off, boys,' he said cheerfully. "'This log be touched until Freckles' chalkies have finished with it. We might as well will Better put it back, Freckles. It's just out, and it may chill. You'll probably have twa' the morn.' Freckles crept into the log and carefully deposited the baby beside the egg. When he came back, he said, I made a big mistake not to be bringing the egg out with the baby, but I was fearin' to touch it. It's shaped like a hen's egg, and it's big as a turkey's, and the beautifullest blue, just splattered with big brown splotches, like me book said, precise. Bet you never saw such a sight as it made on the yellow of the rotten wood beside that funny leathery faced little white baby. "'Tell you what, Freckles,' said one of the teamster, "'have you ever heard of this bird woman "'who goes all over the country with a camera "'and makes pictures? "'She made some of my brother Jim's place last summer, "'and Jim's so wild about them he quits ploughing and goes after her "'about every nest he finds. "'He helps her all he can to take them, "'and then she gives him a picture. "'Jim's so proud of what he has, "'he keeps them in the Bible. "'He shows them to everybody that comes "'and brags about how he helped if you're smart you send for her and she'll come and make a picture just like life if you help her she'll give you one it would be uncommon pretty to keep after your birds are gone i don't know what they are i never see their like before they must be something rare any you fellows ever see a bird like that here bots no one ever had well said the teamster failing to get this log lets me off till noon and i'm going to town i go right past her place i've a big notion to stop and tell her if she drives straight back in this swamp on the west road and turns east at this big sycamore she can't miss finding the tree even if freckles ain't here to shore jim says her work is a credit to the state she lives in and any man is a measly creature who isn't willing to help her all he can my old daddy used to say that all there was to religion was doing to the other fellow what you'd want him to do to you and if i was making a livin' taking bird pictures seems to me i'd be mighty glad for a chance to take one like that so i'll just stop and tell her and by gummy maybe she'll give me a picture of the little white sucker for my trouble freckles touched his arm will she be rough with it he asked government land no said the teamster she's dead down on anybody that shoots a bird or tears up a nest why she's half killing herself in all kinds of places and weather to teach people to love and protect the birds she is that plumb careful of them that jim's wife says she has jim a standing like a big fool holding an umbrella over them when they are young and tender until she gets a focus whatever that is jim says there ain't a bird on his place that don't actually seem to like having her around after she has wheedled them a few days and the pictures she takes nobody would ever believe who didn't stand by and see will you be sure to tell her to come asked freckles duncan slept at home that night he heard freckles slipping out early the next morning but he was too sleepy to wonder why until he came to do his morning chores when he found that none of his stock was at all thirsty and saw the water trough brimming he knew that the boy was trying to make up to him for the loss of the big trough that he had been so anxious to have bless his fool little hot heart said duncan and him so sore it is tearing him to move for anything no wonder he has us all love in him freckles was moving briskly and his heart was so happy that he forgot all about the bruises He hurried around the trail, and on his way down the east side he went to see the chickens. The mother bird was on the nest. He was afraid the other egg might be hatching, so he did not venture to disturb her. He made the round and reached his study early. He ate his lunch, but did not need to start on the second trip until the middle of the afternoon. He would have long hours to work on his flower bed, improve his study, and learn about his chickens lovingly he set his room in order and watered the flowers and carpet he had chosen for his resting-place the coolest spot on the west side where there was almost always a breeze but to-day the heat was so intense that it penetrated even there i'm mighty glad there's nothing calling me inside he said there's no bit o air starn and it will just be steamin oh but it's luck duncan found the nest before it got so overbearin' hot i might have missed it altogether wouldn't it have been a shame to lose that sight the cunning little devil when he gets to toddlin down that log to meet me won't he be a circus wonder if he'll be as graceful a performer of foot as his father and mother the heat became more insistent noon came freckles ate his dinner and settled for an hour or two on a bench with a book End of chapter 4